0: So here we are, the second Sunday in Lent, it's also Communion Sunday, so we have this opportunity this morning to come into communion with each other and with Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll begin with the Gospel from uh, John chapter 3. This is the story of Nicodemus. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. So this Jewish leader, Nicodemus, was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was kind of the equivalent to uh, the Jewish Supreme Court in his day. He was a very important man. And this important Jewish member of the Sanhedrin sought Jesus out, coming to him under the veil of night, under the cover of darkness, Because he wanted to have a theological discussion with Jesus. Coming to Jesus at night, as John writes, is significant here. If we look back at John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, John says, In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. See, John uses light and darkness to describe these forces that are in tension with one another, that are in opposition to one another. Darkness is the realm of Satan, of evil, of doubt, of unbelief. Whereas light, light is truth, light is understanding, light is righteousness and godliness. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. In other words, he comes to him in a state of doubt and unbelief, seeking what we're all seeking truth. He's seeking the light, but he's in a place of darkness. And so the dialogue between them begins as Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God pointing, God revealing things that you do if God weren't in on it. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you're right. Take it from me unless a person is born from above. Some versions say born again. It's not possible to see what I'm pointing to which is God's kingdom. Unless unless you're born again, all of this that I'm teaching is foolishness to those who don't believe. Nicodemus doesn't quite grasp what Jesus is saying about being born again, about being born from above. His understanding is, is limited to his human experience, physical birth. And he says, how can anyone... Be born who has already been born and grown up. You can't re enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk, Jesus? So Jesus tries again. He says, Nicodemus, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, Of Genesis, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life. Unless a person submits to that, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Jesus says to Nicodemus, when you when you look at a baby, it's just that it's a body that you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something that you can't see and you can't touch. It's the spirit. The baby becomes. A living spirit. With a soul an identity. And so Jesus says, Nicodemus, don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above. Because you know well enough how the wind blows this way and that, and you hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it's coming from and where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, born from above, born by the inspiration, the in-breathing, the wind of God, the Spirit of God. Jesus tells Nicodemus that being born from above requires a fundamental shift in how we perceive our identity. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, within me is the spirit of the living God. Say it with gusto and enthusiasm, because it's truth in me is the spirit of the living God. Amen. See, Jesus tells Nicodemus that being born from above requires this fundamental shift in how we perceive ourselves. It's a transformation from being a person of the world, a person of the fall, a person of sin, to a person of the original design of God, the creator. A person who is in step with the Holy Spirit, a person dead to the old life of self and born anew into the new creation In Christ. After that wonderful explanation that Jesus gave, Nicodemus says, What do you mean by that? How does that happen? See, it's a hard thing to get our human minds wrapped around the spiritual. And so Jesus tries again. He says, Nicodemus, you're a respected teacher of Israel. And yet you don't know the basics of your faith. I don't know about you, but there's a note of conviction in that for me. We're ministers of the faith, all of us. And yet we have so much to learn about our faith, don't we? And so Jesus says, listen carefully, I am speaking sober truth to you, Nicodemus. I speak only of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is nothing second hand here. You're getting it right from the horse's mouth. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you're procrastinating with questions. If I tell you things that are as plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, what use is there in my telling you of things that you can't see? Things of God. See, there are some basic things that we need to understand and believe as Christians. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus and by extension us, you need to Believe the basics and then ask questions about the nuances. Believe the things that affect your eternal salvation. Believe them wholeheartedly in your very core being. Believe those things as absolute truth. And then once you have that down, if you have questions about the nuances, about is it immersion baptism versus sprinkling? Is it Is it infant baptism versus age of accountability baptism? Is it pre-tribulation rapture or post-tribulation rapture? All those things that are inconsequential to your salvation. Don't get me wrong. It's all good information and you should study it. But don't ask questions about the nuances until you have the fundamentals Cemented securely within yourself. See, Nicodemus is too immersed in academia. He's too in his head. He's intellectual. And he's unable to apply his earthly learning to the spiritual questions at hand. And so Jesus lays out the born again process, the salvation discourse. As it's known for Nicodemus, he says, No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except for the one who came down from that presence, me, the Son of Man. And in the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so the people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. And everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, an eternal life. Why? Because, Nicodemus, this is how much God loved the world, that he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why he did it, so that no one need to be destroyed because of the original sin. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger at us, telling us how bad we are. No, he came to help, to put the world right again. And anybody who trusts in Jesus is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long been under the death sentence without even knowing it. Because That person's failure to believe is the one of a kind. That person's failure to believe in the one of a kind Son of God is a grievous trespass. Does that make sense? I need a little bit of feedback. Pretend you're across the street in the Baptist church. Need a little bit of feedback. When Jesus finishes this explanation of being born again, we don't get to know at this point whether Nicodemus fully understands. I'd like to think that he did, but we don't know for sure. But of immediate importance is that we understand this truth because truth is important. Truth leads to life. Lies and deception lead to death and destruction. Went to see Jesus Revolution last night. Good movie. I recommend it. one of the most inspired lines is when the wife of the, of the pastor says the truth is simple. The truth is quiet. It's the lies that are loud. Amen. Amen. The truth is simple. The truth is quiet. The liars are loud one of the most insidious ways that Satan attacks the church and the seeker alike is by presenting an alternative to the truth that sounds and feels good. It may even have a kernel of the truth in there. But after the kernel of the truth, it's quickly twisted into the lie. For example, it feels good to hear that all people will get to spend eternity with God in heaven and that all paths lead to God. That one belief system or religion is as good as another and that all that matters is that we're good people. You've heard that before. It feels good. Problem is, it's just not true. It's not biblical. It's called universalism. It teaches that there is a broad road to heaven. But we know By reading God's word, that the way is narrow. The Bible teaches us that only Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. Satan's going to try and do his best to deceive and divert us, especially Christians, away from the truth. More and more, we see people led astray by progressive and alternative Christianity, as if there is such a thing as an alternative Christianity. The truth is the truth. It's not your truth and my truth. It's just simply the truth. The truth is the truth for everyone, whether you believe it or not, is immaterial. the the, these mockeries of the gospel tickle the ears of many a Christian with their everybody gets a trophy theology. They profess a kernel of the truth to enhance their credibility, but they twist the word of God and omit the whole truth of God in order to intentionally lead people away from God. These seemingly glittery, shiny new concepts and teachings suggest that there are many ways to heaven and they profess that humans should follow their hearts and do what feels right. They're not new at all, really. They're merely the same old lies and deceptions in brand new, shiny packaging. It's false teaching. They suggest heretical ideas that God's word is insufficient and that God's will is somehow changeable and inconsistent with His nature. And Satan uses whatever and whoever is available to him in his mission to deceive, to kill, to destroy. That's what Satan does. And so as Christians, as the church, we have to be especially watchful in this season where he will call evil good and good evil. Always compare the messages that you hear coming from various sources Compare them to the truth of God's holy word. And by doing that, you will be equipped to make good biblically based choices regarding them. It's kind of a tongue in cheek thing that Angela and I say to each other as as she's about to board an airplane. And uh, uh, she always says to me, make good choices. And I say it back, make good choices. Church, we can only be born again in truth. We can only be born again through Jesus Christ. Anything that leads us down a path that suggests that we can get there without Jesus is destructive. Don't let anyone, you know, venture down that wrong path. No matter how glittery it looks and how good it makes us feel, the glitter fades and the feeling will too, because there is absolutely no substance without the truth of Jesus Christ. Period. There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. And his name is Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing worthy of worship.